Good morning to you all this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them to the book of James. We're starting a new series uh, this morning and a sermon series in the book of James. Um, if you have your phones, I guess you can turn to the book of James. If you have your tablets, you can turn to your book of James, whatever platform that you're using. Um, but let me recommend to you as we start this book of James, if you don't have a Bible, and I know we live in a different age and what different uh, I have electronic books too, and but uh, I still like the feel of a book. I can mark on it, I can write on it, I can do all kinds of things that way with it, and and a uh, little bit I can. Uh, I got it. I got it captured. Okay, the kids here that want to go to the nursery can be dismissed now. If you've got nursery kids, they can be dismissed. And uh, there'll be someone out there to show you the way through the nursery if you want to do that. But I just back to the, back to the ranch here. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, the um, uh, if you uh, want to, uh, I just recommend that you. I, I just recommend you get a Bible, and uh, there's a lot of. Um, uh, more modernized, modern-day versions of the English translation, uh, since there's more English-speaking people in the world that have more money to buy more Bibles. They have a lot of choices out there and that you can you can get, and they're all fairly reasonably uh, a good a good uh, uh, version to to use English translation. Uh, I like to get them, and and I recommend this. You know, I make this little comment: uh, um, if if you have a Bible. You can pack it around with you, and you can draw in it. Uh, when I say that, you can make marks in it. You can circle things. You can make little marginal notes. Some Bibles are designed to have marginal notes in it, and it just helps a lot. If you here's the thing, people, you know, you, we tell people be in the Word, be in the Word, be in the Word. But you is if you can get more of your five senses in the Word, the better. And we're just we're just made that way. If you can, if you're reading a page, some of your, I know we're all different types of styles of learners, we're all wrapped a little bit different, but the more senses you can put into the paper, the better you can hold on to it. It's amazing. You can say, I don't know where that verse is, but I know it's someplace on the right-hand column, and it's about halfway down, it's somewhere there. That's progress, okay? All right, so you, you, you're in a, you're, and, and then the next time you look it up, then it, it's one more lap across the brain, okay? And you can start putting things in there. All right, so we're looking at James, the book of James today, and uh, this has been kind of an unusual morning. Um, uh, with this, one of the big words in the book of James, we're going to be looking at the first 18 verses is what our focus on, our the sign focus on is first for today. And uh, if you look there in your Bible, usually they'll, most of the Bibles today have a little heading there. It doesn't necessarily mean that God wrote that, but uh, it kind of gives you a, kind of a ballpark where we're talking about trials and temptations. And uh, so we're going to be looking at that. And uh, uh, this morning <laughs> I was coming to my last point. Probably people were grateful for that. But uh, Jenny was feeling faint. She almost fainted in the lobby, and so the guys came and got me and said, you better come out in the lobby and take care of your wife. But <laughs> uh, So we went out there. She's, she seems to be doing well, and her sister was happened to be here today. <laughs> Maybe that was a problem. But anyway, uh, <laughs> not saying it was a problem, but just they can really get going. I don't know when they went to bed last night. Don't ask me, brother. I was asleep. <laughs> they stay up all night and party. That's all right. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, so she took her home. So she's doing fine. So if you heard that from the first service, it wasn't a planned trial to come in the in the service on. But but uh, anyway, things happen. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we'll take a look at this. And uh, and one of the um, things here, and kind of preparing my thoughts on this, I'm going to be talking about trials and temptations, and um, the. The crux of it here is we, we've, all, we've all got that. Uh, if, if any of you have been living life and haven't had a trial, you should step to the front of the line right now. I mean, I don't know. You should be there. You should write a book. I mean, we all would like to hear that book. I mean, you'd be, you wouldn't have any financial problems the rest of your life if you were that, were that problem. Now, this morning, I brought out this little card here, and one of the, 
this is a the book of James is 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 it's, it's, it's a big book on faith, and it's a, but it's about a faith that is active that gets in there and engages itself. So I got a little card here. So Eric, if you want to come up here, I need I need someone to verify this, and Eric Eric always tells the truth. So so Eric, so what do you, what do you see on this card? All right, Eric says there's a piece of tape with a bug underneath yeah. it. Well, it does look like a gnat. It's a little bit smaller than that. Actually, just to verify here, that is a little seed. Okay, a little seed. And, and Jesus said that if, the, if you had faith, the big as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Thank you, Eric. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> so... The idea here is, no matter where your situation is, whatever the trial is, whatever the temptation is that we're talking about here, and you may say, man, I don't have much going there. I don't got much. I don't have much happening here with God and me. Uh, I'm not sure I can deal with this stuff. Hey, muster a little faith here. We'll get there. We'll get there. Now, what I want to do here is kind of help you this morning walk through this section. James is an interesting book. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a book that talks about doing and not just talking about your faith. It's a book about actions, about knowing faith and, and converting that into action, not just sitting on a, on a bump on a log and not just doing nothing. It's not about religion. It's about action. It's about engagement in life and getting things done in your life spiritually. And we, we all struggle with that. We're, we're far better talkers than we are doers. Almost in anything in life, we're better talkers than doers. Uh, and, and, and it's not to say that we can't do well. It's just that we don't do well too consistently. <laughs> we kind of fade in the finish before we, we, we really pull anything off. So that just kind of comes along with us. So James is this interesting book, and, and we've had a kind of a slight opening introduction on this. But basically, this James is the, is the brother of Jesus, and I guess you could kind of qualify that a little bit, half-brother of Jesus. And, and uh, so he is, is in this relationship with, uh, with Jesus. And, uh, and you have to think about this. Just picture this in your mind. A huge amount of information that we know about Jesus takes place there in the Gospels, about from age 30 to about 33. So we get a little picture of about three years of his life. But the biggest chunk of his life, we don't have any daily kind of transmission of information on. There's things we can pull together from different places and, and, be, and be get sort of a, uh, some ideas, but we don't have that. So this guy that you're looking at in the book of James is his, was necessarily his little brother, because James had a couple, I mean, uh, uh, Jesus' family. He had three brothers, at least we know of, that's recorded. And, and his three brothers, I mean, they were brothers. I mean, if you've got brothers, you know what that means. That means slugging and hitting and wrestling and, and kicking and fighting and sweating and, and daring each other to do things and all kinds of things like that. So we're, we're in that kind of, a, uh, kind of a, a situation in life. That's just kind of the way we work in life. So, uh, so this, this brother is, is a person that was lived under the same roof, had breakfast with him, dinner with him, supper with him, went fishing with him, messed around with him, you know, fried ants or something. Whatever boys did, this is, this is, so this guy was there. Now, we know that his brothers were not in his, in life. Um, uh, we, we have some, some real quick snapshots of Jesus and his family uh, interacting but uh, sometimes they appear, and a lot of times writers will slant it a little bit on the negative side, uh, like when they came and got Jesus in a big mass crowd of people and says, I think you're, there's somebody out here that would like for you to come home, <laughs> and, uh, and his family's out there to speak to him. But there was always sort of a little, there was, depends how you want to slant it, there was a little bit of politeness here. It wasn't just always you know, that they were disbelieving. In fact, in John 7, the seventh chapter there, uh, Jesus' popularity is going off, up the skyrocketing, and, and, and Jesus' brothers come to him. As, you can just hear the brothers talking, and they come to him and say, Hey, uh, you're really getting together around town here in this little place of Galilee, but um, why don't you go to the big city? Really, where you can really make a bash. You know, you're really making your name known then. In fact, they even said, Nobody does this kind of stuff in Galilee once you go to Jerusalem. 
And uh, Jesus said, no, not quite ready for that one yet. So, so, so the brothers are in, the, but, but, the, but it says right there in John, but they did not believe. Now, the idea is here, they believed something, but they didn't necessarily understand who Jesus was enough to get in the game and, and totally be all in with Jesus. But my goodness, would you? Probably not, not in that situation. They were just growing in there. But this James here is the James that was closest and intimately involved with Jesus and connected with him. But also, this James here, as we're going to be looking at his words here, was, was one of the first and early martyrs of the church in Jerusalem. And, and he lost his life there. They took him up to a high pinnacle and pushed him off. And the, the Eusebius gives a historical record that when he, they fell off this kind of a two-story pinnacle, threw him down, uh, uh, he wasn't quite dead. <laughs> and uh, he, the historians say the, the legend is that he sort of rose up and started praying for the people on his knees. Kind of, and the Jews came around and finished him off. So this, this was a... a, a this was a guy that was called James the Just. He was a, he was a ardent follower of Christ. And in John, or 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter, when Jesus appeared to the twelve in the upper room, and he, then he went away and appeared to Peter one-on-one, -on -one, then it also says he appeared to James. Can you imagine that kind of impact there? Here is the big brother. Can you, can you imagine going to school following Jesus? Well, you're not like your brother. You know, man... All his life, he had to deal with things like that. So Jesus, they had a conversation. So really the PowerPoint decision for James' ardent, convicted, faithful following was the linchpin was the resurrection of Jesus. Because if your brother can say, I can die and come back from the dead, and your brother dies and come back from the dead, you follow your brother. So, I mean, you, you're just all in there. So this is a guy that's all in, and he's been a strong leader in the church. People have come to him with their problems and their hassles and their difficulties. And at the same time, they've been able to put things together in their life. So this is a wise guy that's followed Jesus faithfully, and, and, he's, put, and he's not just been talking about it, but he's got in it. And James has been sometimes been called the blue, uh, blue jeans gospel. It's the nitty-gritty book of the, of, the, of the New Testament. So we're going to start there, and we're going to look at enduring faith through trials and temptations. All right, let's, let's go. And, and one of the other things here I want to kind of get you thinking about when you read through James. I just recommend that you read it. You read it in 15 minutes. You can read it and reread it and reread it, and every time you go through, there's going to be something else that's going to pop up and going to, going to say, well, I never thought about that the first time. I never saw it the first time. I never saw it the second time. You're going to see different things. So it's not a long time read, but it's a quick read that you can go through. And then just take a piece of paper um, and, and make notes on it. You can take a piece of paper, divide it in fifths. <laughs> And, and then just write a chapter head on it and then make notes on it. And you can take several sheets of paper like that. And the time you get through them, it's amazing how many things that start coming into your life. And, how, and when you get done, you're going to know the book of James because you need to know the book of James. Because if I ask here, how many here ever have had trials? All right. Four or five years, Jan. Okay, rest here. all right. But we all, we're all, in, we're all in that, we're all in that situation. We all have, we all have those struggles. And remember... Uh, I'm not going to touch on every hue and color of a specific trial or temptation that you're going through. But remember, all it takes, you've got to start. You've got you you a starting point here. Okay. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, where, whenever. And, and, and I... This just the biblical context is make sure to leave buddy out here. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the test in your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so it works so that you may be mature and complete and lack you do not lack anything. Now that is that is a choker of a verse. Right out there. I mean, consider it pure joy. Now, there's a couple things here I wanted to kind of uh, bring to your attention. And, and I've, I've gone through this a couple times in, through the years, and I've, I've never been quite satisfied with, with doing this and, and putting, putting James together. Um, um, I understand during the pandemic here, one of the big sellers is puzzles. Puzzles have been a big seller. 
and I guess people were caught at home and they could sit around and put puzzles together. And you know how you put the puzzle together? You put all, you get the straight edges and you try to get the frame of it, and then then you start the the thousand piece puzzles. You start putting the pieces together. And, and you know, there's, they're usually the way they puzzle design, designers do that, you know, they, there's a piece of the puzzle where you insert another piece of puzzle in, and it's got a certain kind of loop on it, or, and it's got to be the right size of loop, the right type of stuff, this kind of thing. Book of James almost is just like that kind of a puzzle. And the, and the idea is when you really begin to capture the book of James, and when you capture it, the, and you, it you know, when, you, when you put, are putting a puzzle together and you snap that one piece into place, you know how that makes you feel? Ah. Whoa, 999 more to go. All right, I'll snap, and I'll, ah, I got that one there together. Well, so the book of James is just like that. And if you could just start snapping it together, you're going to go, ah, ah, oh, yes, this, this, good. It'll work just like that. You trust me, it'll work that way. All right, so book of James, so during this, in, this section here, it's snapping the pieces of the puzzles together and seeing how they snap together. And if you're able to snap them together, it then begins to flow, and then you can walk out and use it. Because that's what James is after here. He wants you to use it. So right off, he says, consider it pure joy, my brother. And I'll come back to we'll wrap up today on the pure joy, which I didn't be able to finish this morning in the sermon, but anyway, pure joy. My brothers, wherever, whenever. So here's a couple of things. One, everybody has trials. It's not if you're going to have trials. It's not if you're going to have temptations. It's not if you're going to have struggles. Some of your translations may say testing. It's not if you're not going to go. You're, you're going to get it. And my guess is everybody here gets it. Because you got it. And if you've not got one now, you'll have one. Oh, give you a couple minutes. It will give it, you'll get one. You'll get one. I trust, trust me. So it's this is a good thing to figure this out now. Because a whole bunch of people, there's a boatload of people in this world who don't know what to do with trials and troubles and tribulations and temptations. And you can just see that on how we destruct and just totally destroy our world and our lives and our relationships because we, we aren't responding to it. Now, to kind of give a little glossary here on this, on the word, on the, if you go in the first verse I read to you, it says, you will face trials of many kinds. Um, if you read it out of King James, it'll say, um, it'll say, uh, Old King James would say manifold temptations, and, and uh, I think the new King James <laughs> says variety of temptations. But the, the word there in the Greek is, will, will be many-faced temptations, which I kind of think is kind of unique that most of our struggles and temptations and our trials come from faces, uh, things that have faces on them. And so, so that's kind of you kind of enter life with people. That's just kind of what we have to deal with. That's kind of what we have to face. And then when you get down to verse 13, it says, when tempted, the word tempted in verse 13 and the trials there in verse 2, same word. However, one in noun form is something that happens to you, trials and, and tests. That's something that enter your life. You're just cruising along and bam, it happens. Or the other one is temptations. It's something that's coming from within that you've, you've created yourself. Now, I've, I've kind of noticed this kind of connection here. From here and just anecdotally through life. Many times temptations are trials that are, or many times temptations are trials that just got infected. It's sort of like you get a scratch, you're in the yard, you get a scratch, you say, ouch, you go on working, and here you go on working and sweating, and, and you just blow it off, and then you clean up, and you don't even touch that scratch, and then a couple days later, it doesn't look really good, because you didn't take some attention to deal with it. So a lot of the daily, ordinary trials and tests that come into our lives, when we don't deal with them, or we deal improperly with them, or we blew them off when we were our youth and thought, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm big now. I know all about that. And we don't deal with them. They come back to roost. 
And they come back with a greater passion and a greater infection. And that those temptations then become something that we, we just constantly destroy our lives. So there are two things here going on, but they're very, very, very similar. So in, the, in this first section, is so you, the thing is, trials will come. It's not when they come. And notice the word consider. My Bible, the NIV says consider. Some of your Bibles, New, New English Version Standard says count, I think, count. Some of the older ones say count. So you got two words. you got consider and count. Consider and count is sort of like a spreadsheet. These two words, the reason why the English translators kind of blow around on those words is because it's like thoughtfully think through, write something down, sit back and look at it, write it down again, sit back and look at it, think it through. Here's the deal. People say, well, I just have faith. Well, how about thinking about that? See, think about this. Count like you're doing a math equation, L like, you're, like you're pondering a math equation, like you're, you're thinking through the intricacies of how it comes together. So a good, healthy walk of faith requires good thinking. You're going to get the trials and temptations, so then you need to say, wait a minute. Let me think this through. And then he says, you're going to, and then the next step here is you're going to have to travail. You're going to have to endure. Some translations, mine says persevere. Some say endure. Don't cut and run. One of the biggest failures of a good, of getting a good mileage out of a good temptation, out of a good trial, out of a good hardship, of a good struggle, is don't deny it. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't play pretend it's not there. Don't say, oh, it'll go away. I'll never, it never happened again. But you deal with it. You face it. And you face it head on. Now, you don't face it head on alone, which brings us kind of the second point. So the first point is that trials and temptations, what is my first point? Builds maturity. Builds maturity. How many of you like to be more mature? Five of you. Okay. You do realize, don't you? Just let's get this straight right now. You do realize that coming to church and worshiping on Sunday morning and listening to a preacher preach, part of the whole objective of preachers, now, I don't know we got this now, but preacher's objective is to help you grow in your faith and stimulate you to go for it. So when you come, you need to say, I got I'm come. where are you going Sunday morning? I'm going to think. And I'm going someplace to think deep. Because I don't want to be immature. I want to be mature. I want to have a hold of life in some way and form that life just doesn't beat me around. And I'll have an inner peace and a complete joy. Because I want to be a winner and not a loser. The devil wants losers. And we come here to praise God and to be in his word. Okay, just make sure we're all on the same page here. Okay, so, so the idea of trials come is we've got we've to think through it and we're going to have to prevail. We can't quit. Don't, don't waste a good opportunity here. Uh, I'm, now, I'm not, I'm not telling you that I'm thrilled about all my trials. Some of my trials scare me to death. And my first thought is, let me get out of here. <laughs> let me get away from this. But, and when I've run, it's mysteriously, even years later, uh-oh, I kind of remember that one. It's like God says, excuse me, I don't think we quite finished that homework back there. There's some more here to work on. So it helps us to mature. We want to mature. We want to grow. We want to be more the way God intended us to be. Uh, it, remember, there's a little Bible story. Probably most of you remember this. And the Luke 15th chapter, the resources on it, is a story about a prodigal son. Remember, he decided he knew more than his dad, and he blew off his dad, took his inheritance, went to a foreign country, got smashed and ruined his life. 
And then he's sitting in a pig pen feeding pigs, and the pig's food looked pretty good. And then the scripture says he came to his senses. And here's what his senses said. His senses said, when he came to his senses, he said, My dad cares more for me than I cared for myself. So I'm going to go home because I got fed better there than I did here. I got treated better there than I thought I was treated and didn't even know how good I was treated because I was so dense and so immature. I couldn't know a good thing when I had it. Let me tell you, I've, carried, I've had a lot of marriage counseling and I've seen guys walk in and I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? What are you thinking? You were lucky she even said yes. You ought to kick it. But he came to his senses. So you want to you you get out of the pig pen. You want to get out of the slop. You want to get out of that. You want to get out of that and move to a relationship where you know that you're welcome in your home and someone loves you and cares for you and is interested in your life long-term than a quick fix, short-term sale. Now, so it helps you mature. Another thing that uh, good trials and temptations do, it raises your consciousness that God is your only solution. It raises your consciousness that God is your only solution. Now, here's how this works. When you decide to deal with it, and you're working through it. The tendency is we don't necessarily immediately come to, to God with it. Notice what he says here. If any of you lack wisdom, is that a joke? <laughs> okay, so we got that. You did better than the first hour. All right, all right. We all lack wisdom. I mean, he's got a, in it, James is counseling somebody here, and he's, he must be smiling there. He's waiting for his counselee to smile back a little bit, you know. Uh, duh, yeah, I guess I do. All right, now things can happen. Now we're getting somewhere. You know, if you know everything, it's not probably likely that you're going to get out of that. But if you're saying, you know what, this hurts and it's a mess and I think I don't know. Good. Remember? It only takes a little shot here at doing this. So he says, if, you, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God. Duh. But there's a, there's, a, there's a problem he uncovers here. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given to him. Actually, actually there's two things I think stand out to me in this. One, God's often the last person we come to. Right? You're right, God. You're right. I can't believe how many sermons I've preached in my life, being a preacher all my life, how many problems I run across in trials, and then all of a sudden some little voice says, uh, Alan, have you thought about uh, praying about this? Oh, yeah. Never thought about that. It's so easy to, to, to not bring God in. Now, I, I want here's a, here's a little side note. I think the reason why we have problems bringing God in on our stuff is because we're not close enough to Him. Now, if you've got a good friend and something happens, there's a good chance you'll call that friend almost immediately. But our relationships are getting real thin with God. And I let's say, if you had Sunday go to morning, that's not enough relationship. God's going to be probably the last guy you're going to talk to. And usually we let the problem get big and heavy. Then we figure it out, ooh, I can't carry this on my own, and nobody else can carry it, and nobody else wants to carry it. You found that to be true. And not only does not just want to, they can't. They can't carry it. They can't deal with what goes on inside your heart. They can't do that. They can empathize with you. They can have sympathy for you. They can love you. They can hug you. But someplace there in the middle of the night in the dark, you've got to be you. You've got to say, God, this is between you and me. 
So trials eventually get us so worn down, we have to say, okay, God, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? We got to talk, and I got to be honest. Now, there's another little thing that shows up here. It says that God gives generously without finding fault. Now, I can mess something up really bad, and I can, you know, I can say, hey, John, can you come over and help me with this? I tried to change this in my car, and I got this wire loose here and that wire loose. Now, I, I, I tried real hard, and I made, made it worse things. And He could come over and say, he'd say, oh, yeah, that was really stupid. Man, you don't know anything. You're not a mechanic. You're trouble. That's not the reason we don't call people. Because we're going to find our fault. And they might point out our fault. So things got to get really bad before we say, help. I don't know what I'm doing. I've been a fool. And God's saying here, uh, I know that already, but I want to help. Isn't that good? I already know you mess up, but I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, I can't believe it. I've never seen anything like that before. Say, I've seen that about 40 billion times. Let me help you out of here. Let me help you out of here. So it, it helps get our focus on Guess what? My real answer is God. See, a lot of people, a lot of stuff have stuff going on over here. The stuff is who's on the throne. God is our only real solution. Now, verse six. This, this, these pieces of puzzles, these puzzle pieces, fit together kind of strangely. Verse 6 says, but when he asks, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind that the man should not think would receive anything. He's double-minded in all his ways, unstable in all he does. Then he goes on. This is a weird piece of the puzzle here. The brother in humble circumstance ought to be pride in, take pride in high position, but the one in riches should take pride in the low position because he will pass away like the wind of the flower. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and the withers with the plants and his blossoms fall and his beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich man will fade away even when he goes about his business. Then here's another piece of the puzzle that looks weird. And it says, blessed is the man who is perseveres, perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life and God has promised to those who love him. So we got wind and sea. We got rich man, poor man, and then a blessing. What has that got to do with trials? Trials stabilize our staying power. When you deal with the trial, one thing that gets your attention, if you're on the right track, when you're facing the trial, you bring God into the trial. Now you've got someone on your team, the only someone that can really deal with the core issue of the trial. And bring wisdom into your life like you've never had before. And while you're staying with it and dealing with the trial, it begins to transform your life. Now, I use this illustration this morning of a, of a gourd. Now, I, I've never seen this, but I've read about it and I've been told about it is that the way you catch monkeys is you take a long-necked gourd and you attach the one end of it to a tree and then you put a real sweet mixture of rice down inside the gourd and when monkeys come along, they smell the rice, they get tinkering with the gourd and they run their hand down the gourd and they get a hold of the rice. Now maybe the first time when they get a hold of the rice, they just bring it back up and they see a couple little rice uh, pieces stuck on their fingers and probably... 
And they go back down the gourd again, and they grab a hold of the big chunk of rice, and they get ready to bring it back up. But they can't bring their hand up in a fist position in these long neck gourds because they're attached to the tree, and now the hunters come along and just collect the monkeys because the monkeys won't let go of what they want. We, don't want, we want God on our terms, the way we want it, because we don't want to let go. That's the double-minded man here. We want God on our terms. We play the church game. We play the city game, well, the live game on, on outside the church. And, we don't say, and then all of a sudden the problems mount up and get so big because we haven't really dealt with them because we blew them off because we were always smarter than God. And then finally we say, God, will you chastise me if you find out I'm dumb? And God said, of course not. I already know you're dumb. I won't chastise you either. But I will help you get out of the gourd if you let go and put me first. So James is saying, the double-mindedness is, is a strange thing here that works in our, in our lives. That we hold on to two things and trying to get God to help me get through this problem. But God, I'm going to get through this problem because I have a plan of how it's going to benefit me and make me a wealthy man and a successful man and a powerful person. And I'm going to, I'm going to get what I want. So God, just do it now, please. Let me be the boss. Just do it. It's not going to work. And that's why James says, it won't work if you, if you do it on your terms. It's, it's not going to work. And then he goes into this humble brother and uh, a poor humble brother that's got nothing and the rich dude that's got everything. Where does that puzzle piece fit in? Because not only are we afraid to ask God, not only do always want we, we, when we ask God, we play a double-minded role. We play two sides of the fence. We're two-faced with him. The other thing is, we like to blame people for our problems. You know, before I got married, I didn't have any of these problems. You know, now in this pandemic, I've been home all this time. Man, I've, that, that's quite, quite enough for that person. I want out of this. Always somebody else's problem. God, they made me do it. I'm just a little innocent bystander. Duh. You ever notice that after your kids left home? It gets harder to blame people. I mean, you know, pretty soon you think, oh, let me see. I mean, I'll show you how desert we get. We blame grandchildren. I mean, grandparents. This is Grandparents Sunday. Grandparents, I love grandchildren. We love our grandchildren. We think they're perfect, sort of, kind of. But they come and visit. Six months later, we're still blaming them. How come that's over there? I look at Jenny, and she goes, Oh, I didn't put it there. Oh, I didn't put it there. Must have been that grandkids six months ago put that there. <laughs> we love to blame, blame other people for our stuff. God says, that's not going to get you out of this trial. It's between you and me. It's between you and me. It's between you and me. And then those other people, you'll find out they're a lot less problem. But it takes some hard work to get there. So it, it ends up being, it stabilizes our staying power. Uh, listen, listen to 2 Timothy 2.3. Paul says, if we die with him, we also live with him. If, in other words, you get, you've no, no double-mindedness. You you're all in with him, you'll live with him. If you endure with him, you will also reign with him. Now, let's get that last piece of the puzzle here on verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because he has stood the test. He will receive the crown of life God has promised to those who love him. Hey, here's the deal. The crown of life. Those who love him will reign with him. 
those who hang in here, who stay in there, who work through these struggles, who don't cut and run, who don't blame other people, who develop a relationship with God, ends up, you get to reign. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be one of the kings on the throne and reigning that way. What I'm saying is, you get to be ready in charge of your own life. You get to understand, I know who I am, I know who God is, and God is God and it's not me, and I know that I can get through this life living the way God wants me to live, thinking the way God wants me to think, because remember, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God. Isn't that what we're trying? We're trying to get through life so we get the biggest bang out of life without shortchanging ourselves or being ripped off. Who wants to be shortchanged and ripped off? Nobody does. Why get ripped off in your very core of your life? Cash in with God. Get the full meal deal, man. That's what God wants for you. All the way through here. And Timothy says, live with him, reign with him. And he goes on to say, we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. And it says he cannot disown himself. And the context of that is this. It's kind of tough. It's kind of rugged. You can live any way you please. And if you want to end up on a junk heap, it's all there for you. You live it any way you want to live it. Jesus says, but if you want to live it and get the crown, live it my way. And you will cash in on a good life. Not one without trials, not one without temptations, but you'll get it. All right, let me quickly hear. It empowers us to leave a legacy. This last section here is in a little difficult piece, but it's part of the same word. It's just in a verb tense, and then not a noun tense. Same word, temptation and trials. No one should say, God is tempting me. <laughs> That's always a quick out. Well, God made me do it. No, God didn't make you do it. Uh, the devil probably didn't make you do it. You just entice yourself. In fact, he unpacks that a little bit. He says, for the evil does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when his own or her own evil desires is dragged away entice, then, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings death. It's almost a birth process here. Now, usually when you read this, you think of sensual sins or sexual sins. That's here, too. And man, we live in a culture. You can be in grade school, in sixth grade, fifth grade, and you can grab a phone and be engaged. We live in that kind of culture. But it's not just sensual sins. It can be also material grasping for more. It can be wealth. It can be money. It can, it can come in a variety of different... And it comes to everything. It comes to the bum on the street, to the person in the White House. And certainly we come, come to the Buckingham Palace as well as it can come to anybody. It can come to the housewife as easy to the hardworking husband. It can come, it comes. Nobody's immune to this. But don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. God only is interested in getting us out of the jams. From the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shades or shifting shadows. That's always a difficult little passage there. And probably if you're on the stage here, there's light in my eye and there's shadows on this table. And, and I, I got thinking about this. I remember my, helping my dad do a job in a basement putting in a window when I was a young boy. And one of the jobs that our dad always drug my brother and I in on. We were the two go go gopher, and we were also the light flashlight holder. Being a flashlight holder, you took your life in your own hands. <laughs> I mean, if dad's come over here, hold this, and then that would oh, go. 
Hold it right there. And I don't know why, but while you're standing there holding that light, he's going back and forth. And, and then and then it doesn't take, I don't know what that is over there. And man, that's bad. That's bad. You learn right quick, holding the flashlight was, you took your life in your own hands. Now, God said here, when I, want it, when I turn the light on in your life, no shadows. Now, you can say, well, there's a shadow. Yeah, but why don't you turn around into the light? It's not me not putting the light on it. It's you blocking the light. Quit double-talking yourself here. You want him in and all the crevices and corners and cracks, and crevices, all the pieces, all the He's, he's going to put the light on it. You say, okay, God, I want to I deal with this temptation. I want the whole light on it. What's really at the core of why I keep falling into this trap? And then he ends up here saying, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of all he created. Now that's it. Today's Living Translation says that we might be the prize. I got this picture of an of a apple uh, giving a, bl- a, a, a prize, a blue ribbon prize at the, uh, at, at the fair. And this uh, prize here of this apple, you guys got that apple prize? Slide, there we go. So this is the first fruit. He says, you be the first fruit. And I, I, I put this last point down as this, um, empowers us to leave a legacy. When you go to a fair, if you go to the section that has the, the, the pavilion where the, the students and people bring their prize-winning apples and pears and things into, you come across these with that blue ribbon on it. And... God is saying we are to present our life to Him and be blue ribbon first fruits. You are to be a blue ribbon first fruit, a blue ribbon apple, a blue ribbon life. And and the idea here of a legacy, when He says, consider it pure joy, and then He also says, for you know. Now, it, it wasn't totally in my section, but if you go to the next verse, it says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. And that's, he closes up there. It's this. Don't argue with God about this. Oh, you can. If you want the junk heap, you got it, man. Go for it. But if you want the life that gets the crown of life, and you reign, and you know where you're going in your life, you invest in Christ. You present as your life as a first fruit. You know, and, and you can leave this, leave your children a lifestyle of facing your trials and your problems and your temptations and being victorious. Leave that, leave them with that. You don't have to have all the bucks in the world like the poor man or be, or be the rich man. Rich or poor, he's saying, no matter what place you are in life, don't look at someone else. You just take the life that you've got and the skills that you have and you present it to your people that you love and your children and your grandchildren and you say, I'm going to show you how to deal with stuff in life that's crummy. And I'm going to show you how I've had to deal with things in my life that I've had to overcome, and I'm going to stay with it, and I'm going to show it, and I'm not going to blame anybody about it. I'm going to face it, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to owe up and point to God as the way out. 
Man, that's a prize to present. I don't care how messed up something has happened in your life. You can take that. You can face it. And let me tell you what. It's, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's hard. I'm not saying it may take some time here. But there's come a day, and I've seen this in families, where kids will turn around and say, you know what? I've had a few lumps now, and I've decided that Dad was really trying to owe up and do, do it right, and he faced the music, and he confessed it, and he asked for forgiveness, and Dad did it the right way. That's a great gift to give to your kids. Don't let that get away. Don't, don't cut and run with your trials. Your kids, kids will cut and run with your trials, and they'll come back home. And they'll haunt you. Get in there. Say, here I am in all my stuff. And God's on his throne, and he is in charge of my life in the mess sometimes that I've made and created. And stay with that. And present your life as a first fruits, a prized possession that belongs to the Lord. And you'll be a blue ribbon winner. Why not try that? I'm going to ask the worship team, they're going to come up and close the music here this morning. And uh, ran out of time, but I had some slides there at the end that I was going to go through with you as they were playing this music. I don't know, Sean, can you put those up? And you can just run through these, Sean, as they're singing this song here on these slides here. What troubles, what temptations are you having now? Remember, you can't say you haven't had any. Well, I doubt if you had that, eh? But uh, you'll get them. How are you reacting to those troubles and temptations? Uh, how is this trouble or temptation teaching you to endure? Remember, you're not supposed to come to church just to go out and say, well, it's where we go before we eat on Sunday. But say, oh, how am I doing with this trial or temptation? How's this enduring, maturing for you? Stacy was telling me this morning about her friend Dennis is struggling to for hang on to life in the hospital. That's his trial and temptation right now. That's his, certainly his, his trial right now. And we all face different trials. We all face different struggles in going through that. It's always there. It's always going to be there for all of us in all our lives. Are you single-mindedly trusting God or worldly solutions for your problems? You know, is God a Grinch in your life? Or have you come to terms that He's on your side? He's on your side, no matter what. So as the band plays this number here, are you, are you stepping up? Are you getting all the miles out of your trials that you can possibly get? Don't miss the great opportunity to let God shine through your life for those that you love and your children.